The following podcast is a Bostic Media production. She's a lifestyle blogger extraordinaire. Fantastic. And he's a serial entrepreneur. A very smart cookie. And now Lauren Everts and Michael Bostic are bringing you along for the ride. Get ready for some major realness. Welcome to the Skinny Confidential, him and her. Aha! Raina Panchansky is the co-founder and CEO of Digital Brand Architects, also known as DBA. DBA was founded in 2010 and specializes as a top digital influencer agency that helps build talents, online and social authority by developing their brands and partnering them with fashion, beauty, and lifestyle brands. DBA currently represents some of the best content creators in the space, including my lovely wife, Prior to founding DBA, Raina worked on global communications for Saks Fifth Avenue and Coach. I consider her a great friend and mentor because, like me, she enjoys a good wedge salad and a shrimp cocktail. Raina, welcome to the show. Thank you very much. Wow, you really put some effort into that. I had to. I had to give her yeah. a, a pal. Wow, that's one of your best intros. And you mentioned our bonding over wedge salads. Oh my god! You Sometimes randomly, I'll just text you. Like I'll go to a restaurant and just text you how to good wedge salad. Like could be random, random. Your husband's should, probably like, "What the hell is this guy should, doing?" Should we start great wedges of Instagram? Yeah. Let's do it. Oh Reserve it. Michael that just might wants exist, to be an influencer under you. Yeah. <laughs> but Michael just wants representation. Let's be honest. I know that's true. I'm playing hard to get. Okay. Well. <laughs> so okay. Give us like a background of kind of your influencer influencer journey. So I was a coach, the head of global communications for the better part of it, almost a decade. And while I was there, we were just sort of seeing from a brand point of view that our customer was being inspired by different kinds of people. It was street style. It was um, blog loving. It was just an entirely different subset of people that were coming up that were wearing coach and were inspiring our customer. So we were the first brand, God, this is, this has got to be 11 years ago at this point. We were the first brand to do a blogger collaboration. We did a handbag, we did handbag collaborations with five people. It was Emily Schumann, um, it was Carla's Closet, uh, The Glamour Eye, What is Reality Anyway, and I'm blanking, oh, and I'm blanking on the last one. And they each designed their own handbag and it was like revolutionary at the time. And they all sold out and they did really well. And it was amazing. And we just sort of said to ourselves, this is, you know, it's real. And people care about these people. And they have influence. And a light bulb sort of went off. And it was about really what are brands going to look like in the future? Like who is going to be... Who's the next X, Y, and Z, fill in the blank? Who's the next Martha Stewart? Who's the next, you know, Gucci, whatever. And that was that was really the starting point for DBA. We never thought of it as a business. We just thought of it as like we were sort of inspired by seeing what was happening. And it was meant to be how do we take these individuals and create brands from them? So uh, sorry, how long did you how long after you did that campaign did you leave coach and say, okay, there's an opportunity here? About two years later. What year was that? We started DBA in 2010. So that's 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 really early for the space. How did you how did you start DBA? Did you start in New York or did you move out here? So DBA was started in New York, and Karen, who was my partner, and I were literally taking power walks along the West Side Highway together. We both lived in the West Village, and it was just like a kernel of an idea. 
And then I moved to New Orleans um, for a relationship that ended like most Lifetime movies do. Not very well. And I remember calling Karen and I said, if we're going to do this, I'm, I'm going to have to do it from L.A. Because like that's truly like the, the where talent lives. Like if talent management really sort of like is, is born and raised in L.A., um, and New York is such an important city from like a brand and a finance point of view and a business point of view. But L.A. is like the home of, of talent. And so she stayed in New York and I came out to L.A. And that was that was it. I mean, it was like it was such an organic conversation. I know you guys started out of literally your kitchen. Karen's kitchen. Yeah, literally. So how do you take a brand that you guys started? I want to call it a brand, right? Mm-hmm. OK. Yeah. How do you take it out of your kitchen and get to where you are now. Like walk us through that because you guys were sitting in the most amazing, incredible, huge office. You've seen it on my Snapchat, on my Insta story. It's white, it's bright. It's every single goal anyone can ever imagine. Like how do you go from a kitchen to here? So the best thing I think that we had going for us is that we put our heads down and like didn't pay attention to what anyone was saying. If you have an idea and like you know it's a really good idea, you're going to have a million people who tell you it's a bad idea. You're going to have a million people who tell you can't do it. For the first few years of DBA, people literally laughed at us. I remember a, a man saying to me, oh, my God, you represent bloggers. Isn't that like saying you herd cats for a living? Literally, someone said that to me. I mean, we had people just essentially laughing in our face and slamming the door. I think that's when you know you're doing something right. Right. So that's... You've got to be able to sort of push past all of that and just have such like a perseverance. I remember Matt, I was watching an interview that Matt Damon did and he said that the advice that he gives to anyone who wants to act is he says, don't do it because if you can dissuade someone from doing it, then they shouldn't be doing it. Amazing. So you just have to put your head down and just do it and don't pay attention to anything anyone tells you and just sort of like focus on your one mission that you're trying to start trying to accomplish. It's very similar to blogging. Right? It is, yeah. I mean, you've got to you've got to have noise canceling headphones a lot of the time. Yeah, stay in your own lane. Yep. Okay. And don't try and do too many things. We made listen. We also made a lot of mistakes. You're going to make so many mistakes, um, but you have to make sure that you have like a really singular vision because there will be so many times when you're like, oh my god, that looks really fun. We maybe we should do that, or like that's a really good idea, or someone is doing that, and like we could do that better, or we should be doing that. That's when you get sidetracked and you make mistakes. I think sometimes we fall guilty to that. You guys are the, the king and queen of that. You yeah. love that. We, we love, love to, we love to do a lot of things. <laughs> we are, but you know, I was having a conversation and every time we talk, I, I seem to have an idea with you, but I was having a conversation with somebody, even though sometimes it looks like I'm all over the place, <coughs> really, I don't go out of my area. Like I'm not, like I, I always make the analogy, yeah. like I'm in the digital space, but I'm not going and building boats or building homes or doing real estate. Like I, I kind of stay with the you same. You are building beds for jets. Yeah, that's a little bit, that's a <laughs> right. one tangent. But, but the point is, is like, even though it seems like a lot, I try to keep horse blinders on, at least in the space that I'm in. Yeah, and, and look, you, as much as I make fun of you guys for having f- 10 different ideas, like on any given day, there's also something to be said for like being truly entrepreneurial in that way and like having that spirit. But you also have to know when to focus on something and like when to let it go. Well, 100%. that's why I have you. <sighs> right. <laughs> so, so keep me in line. Spe- listen, Denise. So speaking it of takes you a village. and Lauren's relationship, I actually... I, kind of know the story just because I was around for a little bit of it but how did you guys meet how did you find Lauren or how did you find Raina or what's the story there so we were in one of our, our original office DBA office which was an, 
apartment building in Beverly Hills that was like a really Melrose-esque place apartment. We were like in a courtyard and we had like, like we had residential Wi-Fi. It was like Time Warner residential Wi-Fi. It's like way early DBA office days. And I remember standing in the kitchen being on a call with you and you had a brand, there was a brand that you wanted to launch called Dirty Birds. Or oh Dirty my Bird. God, that was so awesome. You guys, I still own that domain and I, and I haven't figured out how to, like, GoDaddy, you need to hit me up because I can't cancel that one and I've tried to cancel it <laughs> oh like 50 God, times. Yeah, that. so, and it was a brand, it was called Dirty Birds. It was an, and it was athleisure or something in that space. Oh my God, that was, that was like 2012. Yeah, and I remember being like, I think you're amazing, but I feel like the name Dirty Bird is like not a great brand name. I wanted to basically take the Skinny Confidential, use that platform and create a brand called Dirty Bird. Yeah. And it was supposed to be like athleisure. Now, you guys, this is like a really good lesson here. I was trying to get all over the place. I remember you and Lily were like, no. Yeah. No, Lily was not having that name. Well, I'm thank God. Yeah. Thank God. Um, and you guys zoned me in before you even started to represent me. Yeah. You were like, you can't do that. You have to zone in on the skinny confidential that kicked my ass in one second. Yeah. Well, so after hearing about dirty bird, <laughs> what, <laughs> what made you say, okay, let's continue and still work with this person. Right. Because you the first interaction is no, don't do right. that. But then you still, you guys still better. It didn't have to do with you if that's the answer. That no, no, no. I was, I, I wasn't, honestly, at that point, I wasn't even so involved. No, Michael hadn't really come, Michael didn't come to the picture until like two years later. Yeah, his personality slowly evolved. Yeah. He was still slightly introverted in the early days. Oh, it's I not remember. that I was introverted. It's just that I was focused on. The mattresses. No, yeah. that, that and the marketing, but I was just like, my, I've said this a bunch of times, my, it was really, really important for me for Lauren to have her thing. She's like fully capable. It's it's her thing. I didn't want to be that guy that's stepping into her space trying to get in. You don't but want you to know be a vlog photographer. At this me. point, though. But you know what's so funny? Michael prefaces every single conversation that he doesn't want to be the guy that steps in and then is in the meeting the entire time. At this well, you know, but but was I in the meeting the first two years? No, I don't think we. No, even, you eased your way in. You and I didn't meet for till what two years later? I no, think. no, no. We de we definitely didn't meet until a little bit later. Yeah. And then and then I won your heart, and now here we are. That's it. And it's been wedge styles ever since. Yep. Oh, no, I we want to know, I guess, how because I know DBA is super picky, and I don't know if that's the right word to use. Maybe exclusive. You really exclusive. make sure that your talent. I mean, I had to go through I think six interviews, some in person, mm -hmm. some on the phone, before you guys considered having me on board. Well, I guess the question is, what, like, when you guys let's not take Lauren, anyone, what is that selection process like and what do you look for? I know you guys are big on brand. So it's point of view. So if you said to me today, what is what what makes a brand? I would say connection. And because a brand can be anything today. It's like, it's a table, it's a person, it's a cat, it's a hotel. It's like, the, the, it's the most overused, that and organic are the most overused words in our space. And authentic. And authentic and influencer marketing and you know yeah. the list goes on. but. The truth is brands are about connectivity. It's like, do I relate to this? Do I like it? Am I moved by it? Am I influenced by it? Like, do I want to purchase it? It's like, you know, check the box number of, of sort of questions that you ask yourself. But it's about your connection. So first and foremost, when you meet with someone, it's like, do I relate to them? Do I connect to them? Do I understand how their audience relates to them and connects to them? Like, do I understand what their point of view is? Like, what are they trying to do? Because none of us need anything. You hear me say this all day long. Like, we don't need to follow another person. We don't need to buy another thing. We don't need any additional pieces of content. And yet we're all consumers and we all are searching for more because it's just our nature and it's what we want. But the question is what? Like, what do you have or what point of view do you bring to the table that's going to differentiate you? And how are you communicating that? And if you can articulate that, 
then there's a conversation for us to have. And then we talk about what the steps are and what the, you know, what the other categories are and, and how do we take that and grow that and build that. But there isn't a point to us or to DBA or to any sort, any manager or any agent unless there is a kernel of something there that you can build upon that is really authentic. And I feel like you guys as managers are not just involved for like the deal or the one-off, you know, making money quickly. I know you really, really are a visionary in the sense where you get off on the long-term goal. So when you are, you know, getting someone on board, do you look at if they have longevity or do you, does that not even matter? It does matter, but it's interesting because longevity today is different than it would, you know, it used to be back in the day, like if you wanted to grow a band, you would like send them on the road for three years. I mean, no one, just our world doesn't exist in that sort of time frame anymore. But if you can't, if we can't figure out what five years looks like for you, then it's probably a pass for us because you have to be able to sort of see some sort of a vision for growth and for the future. And it's that's not growth, not necessarily even meaning monetary growth, but just brand growth and audience growth and content growth and strategy and, and just where, what's the evolution? What does your evolution look like? Where do you see the evolution for this industry going? Like, I feel like you're such an innovator. Like you saw this, I mean, people that were laughing at you are probably sucking up to you. I can only imagine. Well, and also I think going back, like where, how has it changed since you started? Because obviously nobody's laughing anymore. How, right. I don't know how many talents you represent now, but a lot. And cumulatively, I don't know how many millions and millions of engaged followers or audience they have. But how has that, like, when did you start to see the shift? When did you start to say, okay, this is really going to work and this is taking off? Probably about three years ago, three, four years ago, there was like a real shift. Um, and like when people started talking a little bit more about, about video and VidCon and YouTube, that was easier for people to understand. Video was a little bit easier because there's a direct relationship between entertainment and video. So that was a little bit of a shift for people once they could kind of wrap their mind around, oh, so like someone who appears in a YouTube video can be in a movie. Like that's when traditional Hollywood started to sort of more take notice. And then that was also the time that brands kind of came around as well. I think that, like most things, the pendulum's going to swing. I mean, right now, there's so much out there. I mean, we between Insta stories and Instagram, Snapchat, and Facebook, and, you know, who knows what platform will, will come out in the next year or two. But there's so much, and I think that people are starting to tune out a little bit. So you really have to rise to the top with what it is that you're talking about and you have to be really pointed and really like dedicated with what that message is i think that there's a lot of people are getting tired of just sort of seeing the same thing over and over again and something that worked for you today isn't going to work for you in six months so it's really important that you think about what it is that people like and what the essence of it that people like but not doing the exact same thing day in and day out that's a great advice let's talk about plateauing because i've noticed recently and I talked with Alex a little bit about this, that plateauing is happening. Like it's, it, it, people are starting to get sick of looking at everyone's breakfast every morning. Mm -hmm. How many times can we see it? Yeah. Where do you see people doing it right? And where do you see people doing it wrong? So doing it wrong is doing the same thing over and over every single day. So it's, I think people get very caught up in, oh, that picture of me doing x y and z thing or that picture of avocado toast got a lot of likes so i need to make sure i'm replicating that picture a lot or that idea a lot and these a lot of these things live in isolation so it's like on that moment that's what worked 
you know, for instance, what's going on in Houston right now is so devastating and all anybody sort of wants is to figure out how they can help. So if right now you're posting the exact same content that you posted seven days ago, it feels a lot less relevant than it did seven days ago. So our world is changing. You know, the, the political climate that we're in is changing. You have to be able to understand what's taking place in the world around you to understand what people want to see. You cannot be tone deaf. And I think that the biggest problem and the sort of the biggest thing that I see people doing wrong is being tone deaf. Well, and I think also playing it safe, right? Where it's just the same basic content over and over. You got to kind of take a stance on something, right? Or you got to kind of take a position or have an opinion on something, whether people agree with you or not. Yeah. And I think if you, you know, like if you're not providing some kind of, I don't want to say controversy, but if some kind of point that's different, something that's not the same conversation over and over, people are going to tune out. Well, because Social media isn't necessarily solely for escapism the way it used to be. There was an element of escapism that existed around all of these platforms that just doesn't exist today. I mean, there's too much going on in the world for you to just want to look at pretty pictures all day. You want, there's a balance. You want there to be, all of us love fashion, all of us love beauty. Like, I'm screen grabbing masks all day long, but I also want to understand what someone's like true essence is and like what their views and aspirations and like what they're doing to also advance, you know, the greater good of what's happening in the world. You almost want to know who you're purchasing from as an influencer. Like if you're an influencer hawking product, like what are you about? What, like you just said, what's your essence? Yeah. So you would say something that people are doing right is taking a stance and showing that side of their personality and, and their opinions and putting it on their platform as opposed to just avocado toast. Yeah, and I think that people want to see that. I mean, I'm not saying that every single person has to be an activist, but it's sort of naive to think that you can get away with just posting the sort of status quo because that's not, what the, it's, that's not what, what's really happening in the world. And I think people want to understand who it is that they're following, and they're going to start to tune out people who are just being kind of vanilla in the middle of the road. Well, that kind of plays into community, right? Mm-hmm. How important do you think it, it is that bloggers and influencers nowadays cultivate a community and, and really pay attention to their audience as opposed to just posting what they want? I think community is everything. I mean, it's what we've all built platforms on. I mean, without, without you know, you love your audience. You're, I'm obsessed. I mean, you're obsessed with your audience. You talk about your audience all day long. I mean, they're family to you. And I think that that's real. I think people who talk about their audience and just sort of say, oh my God, my fans, and like, I love them. I wouldn't be anywhere without them. That's nonsense. Like, the, a lot of that is just bullshit. But your community and, and talking to them and engaging with them, I mean, there are real relationships and real, you know, real connectivity that happens from that and like you're amazing at that and I think people who can really cultivate that and understand that that's what the essence of this entire thing is about I mean we can we see it happening every day I mean there are people the the causes that you can draw awareness to the the things that are taking place I mean even in like the smallest way there's a tremendous amount of positivity that can come from everything that we're all doing and I think that's what's really important is sort of advancing that I totally agree. I think with community too, it's important to acknowledge the community. Sometimes I see bloggers get questions asked or, you know, the, they'll get a DM and Instagram. I think it's important to set aside a time every single day to actually listen, engage, hear what the audience is saying um, or what the readership thinks and reply to comments. I think sometimes, sometimes influencers go the other route where they start to sort of become a celebrity and there becomes like a a film between the readership and the blogger and in my opinion I would rather go the other way where I I want to be sort of a role model where I can say 
you can come to my blog, you can get tips and tricks, and then you can leave and you can apply them in your own life in your own way. Yeah. Well, I think that it's interesting because a lot of people who started early on in this space, they had a sort of, you know, early days, it was very much about like shiny, pretty, wonderful things and everything was through a very specific filter. So if you built your brand on that and that was what your relationship was with your audience, it can feel challenging to pivot from that because it's it's scary. And also, I think a lot of people assume that everyone in this space is this like extreme extrovert when it's the opposite. It's really interesting. There's so many. I mean, so many of our clients are really, truly introverts and there there isn't necessarily like second nature to them to want to be an oversharer it's just that like they've created that's what that's what they've created because they love creating content and they love sharing but it, they're really really not extroverted so there's also a little bit of like a you know a struggle there in terms of like how much do I share about myself personally because it's like not my nature to actually do that what do you think these people are going to do? I was just talking about this on another podcast, how I believe that now you can't just lead with your looks or shiny, pretty things. You have to have a personality um, or something to say to back it up. And 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 how we're going to weed that out is because videos become so popular now and podcasting is now a new place and Instagram well, live, you can't get on live I and fake it. More importantly than that, it's that people are just they're saying okay we've seen all the pretty stuff like what is your opinion what do you think who, who who are you really yeah and i think i mean i don't luckily hopefully we don't suffer too much from being introverts no <laughs> no you maybe maybe need to be a little more introverted but, no i i can imagine that for a lot of people that are introverts like very talented people creators it's difficult then to say okay like there's a lot of pressure for them to come out of their shell now and, and how do they compete like what would you say to them so i think that you have to find your medium. So, you know, I saw it for my entire career when I would deal with tr with traditional talent, you know, like movie stars. You think that they're all going to be these like phenomenally charismatic people, and then you walk in the room with them, and they're like the biggest duds. But they write books, or you know, they're it's entirely just about their sort of persona. And I think that it's very much you have to figure out what your medium is. Like, what's the best medium for you? If you're a super introvert and you don't want to show your personality, then Insta Stories isn't for you and you're going to have to really rely on the written word. And that's more challenging because people aren't consuming that sort of content the way they used to. And Insta Stories is much more snackable and what everyone loves. But good content rises up no matter what. We all find it. You know, it's not, it's not, um, in any medium, in any medium. And it's not a coincidence when, when those things happen and, and every, all of us at the same time are like, Oh my God, are you watching X, Y, and Z show? It's amazing. Or did you see this video or this person? It's good content rises up, but you have to find, you have to figure out what your medium is, your medium is. And if it's not going to be in the form of sort of video or Insta stories, you've got to work a little bit harder because people are less willing to engage with like the written word, the way they are with video. Speaking of stars or celebrities, you've, worked with them in the past let's say like traditional celebrities and now you're managing influencers which i'd say are some like some level of celebrity right mm -hmm. i yeah, don't know so how big you big influencers guys you manage all the top like i feel like you didn't brag enough you manage the top of the top i don't know if i'm allowed to mention any of them but you manage some huge influencers we do we definitely manage some of the biggest influencers in the space but so when you lauren included yeah when, you, when you're speaking... Michael to, wants to be. I'm the biggest, right? No? When you're speaking... In your space. To, yeah, in my space, in my head space, to, to the talent. 
what is the line between like are they do you talk to them as if they're like a celebrity or do you keep them grounded or do you say or like how do you manage that because i know it's confusing right you have so much attention on social media on a daily basis but then it's not the same as if i don't know maybe it is like tom cruise walks down the street or you know what i mean like i don't know how do you kind of deal with that so the digital talent and traditional talent are the same in the sense that it's the same as all of us. Like we all have very specific personalities. And so certain personalities work well with other personalities. I'm very tough love always. I'm not the warmest and fuzziest. So you you're straight say. to the point. You yeah. don't say. <laughs> um, but certain talent have different kinds of managers. Like we have managers who are way more handholding and there's certain talent that gravitates towards that as, as with any sort of kind of talent. I didn't get the handholder. What's handholding? No. Like that's okay though. I don't need the handholder. What do you mean like handholding? Like, like they'll just be it, like you know, softer maybe. Yeah. Like, like I, but you know, listen, you have to know the, the greatest way to communicate is to know who you're communicating to because you can't, you have to, you know, you can't, I can talk. I can have some conversations with you guys that I might not be able to have with other clients because you guys, we we have a different way of communicating with each other, which is a little bit more sort of like to the point and sometimes brusque and you know that's. Well, if fun. we can if we can get it out of Lauren. No, my managers Denise and Alex. I want to shout them out right now. I I need someone that provides me structure and that is strong, or else I'll override them because <clears throat> I'm all over the place. So that's the kind of manager that I feel like you guys gave me is someone that keeps me on track and in line. Yeah. Well, and, and by structure, also someone who follows up with you 16 times. About 40 times a day over text. Yeah. But that's okay. But We're some, there. some people don't need that. Some people are completely self-sufficient and just want it. You know, they want they want one email that outlines everything and this is what I need from you or, you know, whatever that looks like. I mean, Gabby came on and said that. She's, Gabby's like that. She's like the best. Yeah. No, Gabby is like, just tell her something once and that's it. And she's off to the races. I try to, I aspire to be like Gabby. Yeah. Gabby was on this podcast. We'll link her episode in the notes. Early episode. So I want to know about, let's say we have a lot of bloggers that are just starting out. Give your real raw opinion. Or here. influencers. Or maybe, influencers. Maybe not bloggers or content content creators. What's I want your real advice like on someone that's starting out in this industry because it can be extremely intimidating. I think you just can't try to be like anyone else. You have to stop looking at someone else's pose or looking at the way someone else takes photos or taking the route of sort of emulating someone is just not going to get you very far because ultimately what that's going to look like is just the poor man's version of someone else. And I think you have to really take a step back and understand what it is that you're bringing to the table. Like what's different? So do you think that we're going to have an influx of influencers coming into the industry or do you think it's going to be a lot slower because it's saturated? Like what's your opinion there? I think that there will always be people coming into this space in the same way that there's always new actors, there's always new musicians. Like in any creative medium, you are there are always people who are who are who are coming in and who are finding different and new ways of doing things or just feel a little bit fresh or relevant. It's never going to go away. It's not like all of a sudden one day it's like oh there's not a single conf there's n there's n there are no more content creators. It's just not going to happen. Well, the funny thing is we just went and spoke at a high school down in San Diego, which was it was a cool experience. But if you ask like this was just didn't exist when we were kids, you ask the audience what they want to do when they're older. And so many of them are like I want to be on YouTube. I want to be a YouTuber. Mm -hmm. I want to be the like it's coming. Like there, this is this was just not something that was discussed. There was no, there was no point in time when I was in high school or Lauren was in high school where he said, I want to be a YouTuber. Like you would have gotten, my, my dad would smack me upside the head. Right. But it's a real thing. So like when you look at the youth and there, there's a big majority of them saying, that's what I'm going to be when I'm older. You can see it's not going to stop. It's only going to get bigger. Yep. Well, and 
that's what people are consuming. I mean, kids born today aren't talking about like, and this might even be too old school for you guys, but like must-see TV on NBC, which I grew up with. Like those those references aren't even there. The only reference they have, uh, the only references they have are YouTube and Snapchat and Instagram. Like they're not talking about like the old forms of media. So I want to know where you see this industry in five years. I know it's hard to predict because you just said it's changing every six months. But if you if you had to really channel and think and, and really know where it's going to be in five years, what is like your vision for the space? What is your vision for me? <laughs> oh my God. What does Michael's path look like? I'm just kidding. Um, kind of. Kind so of. in five years, you're going to have probably 20, between sort of 20 to 50 influencers who have the same sort of brand relevancy as like a Martha Stewart did in her heyday. So you're really? Gonna, so people, you're absolutely, absolutely. I want to know more about that. Well, I mean, you look at, I look at someone like, you know, Jake Paul, who's not, not our client, but you know, he has this insane, insane engagement and following and like, and he's super talented and he came up in this space and you know, that's the kind of person who is going to be, you know, who's got the potential to be the rock. Um, I mean, we see it all day long. Like we we 100% have clients who, when I look at them, I think, okay, they're they're the next Lily Pulitzer or like that's the next Donna Karen or that's, you know, um, you know, any number of sort of different people in different spaces. And talk to me about product in this space. What do, what do you see people doing wrong, right? Where do you see the product lines going? Because a lot of bloggers are sick of pushing other people's brands and they want to start focusing on pushing their own brand. And they should because they are their own brands. And if you have an audience who you're engaged with and you genuinely love and respect and you're passionate about something, whatever that is, you know, athleisure, dresses, you know, makeup, whatever that looks like, electronics, why wouldn't you want to do your own thing and create your own brand? I mean, it's an extension of who you are and, and your audience, if you're, if you're engaging with them the right way and you're communicating with them the right way and what you're doing is really authentic, they're going to want to support that. It makes sense. It's the, it's the logical next step. I always say that I feel the Kardashians have done a really good job of engaging their audience and asking their audience, you know, colors. And they obviously content marketed with their lip kit and, and the contouring kit before they launched. Mm-hmm. Um, do you see a lot of influencers content marketing what they're going to launch before they launch it and making sure that it's the right product? Yeah, I mean, I think that a lot if you're if you're if you're an influencer and you're launching a product, you have to make sure that that is something that you have organically spoken about for years leading up to this. Like if all of a sudden one day someone sends you, oh, you know where you can make a lot of money, it's in, X, it's in this category, and the next day that's what you're promoting, it's not going to work. People, can, people see the strings. N- no one is, you know, no one's being fooled by, by anything these days. They get it. And I think that, you know, there are a lot of people who get really worked up about having to write hashtag ad or you know there are a lot of brands who like don't want clients to have to hashtag ad and but people don't care they're okay with it like your audience knows like okay that's fine you're allowed to make a living you're allowed to get paid to do this this is what you do this is your job but that's because i I make a point to say and this is this is the truth i don't want to promote anything i don't like well i think they're okay with it as long as they know you're not pushing bs on them like if it's something where it's just like hey she really likes that or she really thinks that's going to bring value here then it's okay I want, if, one time i did a partnership that wasn't the right fit and my audience told me immediately and i quickly learned from that right and i think that 
if you if and when you are launching your products, you're going to be doing it in an organic way. I shouldn't say if; I should say when. Um, but and that's what it, that's all that's, oh, that's all that matters. Pe- I think people are genuinely okay. I mean, listen, it's it, the, everyone knows the Kardashians make a ton of money. I mean, they're minting money with all of the, with everything they do. But that's okay because like they're using it and they love it and they wear it, and no one is like begrudging them the fact that they're making money off of these things. Do you I mean, think, th- do you think that's unique it. to them? Or do you think like, cause uh, we were kind of having this conversation. Do you think that's unique to them where it's like people are like, okay, they already live so lavishly and they already have such a great life. Like we already know they're going to have money. And then do you think there's some resistance with influencers? Like, wait a minute, like there, you're not supposed to make that kind of money. Do you think, what, what do you think on that? I don't, I, well, listen, I, I have, I've had this conversation before and this is a really interesting conversation that I love talking about, which is that, there, there does seem to be a little bit of this like, wait a minute, you're monetizing and you're not allowed to do that. It's like the old band selling out, you know yeah. what I mean? Yeah, and I think that some of that comes from this idea that, oh, I could do what you do. It's not like, it's not, you're not looking at an attorney and saying, oh, I'm, I'm arguing this, you know, you guys are you're arguing that case in court and like I could do that, I should be making that much money. You're looking at someone who's like, who seemingly are just posting pictures of themselves or, you know, on a, on a press trip or whatever that is. And all, and you're thinking, Oh, I could do that same thing. Like that's not fair that they make the money and I, and they they make money and I don't. But I think that people have to really understand how much goes into this. There is so much. I mean, you're essentially publishing your own magazine every single day, minus the, you know, hundreds of people that work on the editorial staff of magazines. So it's, I think some of what has to happen is there's got to be a little bit of an education process in terms of like this isn't just me like sitting at home posting things like there's a tremendous amount of work and effort that goes into it. We were talking to Julie from the Influencer Podcast a little bit ago and we were saying like there's still a pretty large level of disrespect when it comes to this space. People like like you said people think it's easy or it's there's nothing that goes into it or just I mean but if, if that was the case everybody would be doing it right. Right. Well, that's it's like most things. I mean, you know, you look at some of the greatest artists in the world. It's like that's just splatter paint. It's like, well, Jackson Pollock was like a visionary, you know, a lot. That's always been the case with 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 creative mediums. And I don't think that's ever going to go away. I just think it's something you have to sort of, you know, you've got to tune out a little bit because this is people's jobs. This is how they make a living. This is how they support their families. And like Godspeed. Good for them. And a lot of this also, let's be honest, like. This is like women. These are women who are out there killing it. And there is definitely a little bit of sort of, you know, backlash to this idea that like women are going out there and like creating an entire industry has been created that's like led by women. So, you know, I don't. Don't you think everything's kind of been created by women? I mean, essentially, yeah. I think the men have just. Well, if we're looking at what. We've just kind of been fooled, right? Well, let's be honest. It's in the f- the future's in our hands. It's, it's up to hey, us. Hey, I'm fine. I feel like I'm good with the women. Um, I'll let you take my pictures one day if you want. <laughs> okay, La- one thing uh, we've talked a lot about, like the influencers and, w- and the and the individuals that you work with, but you, DBA also deals with a lot of brands and works with them in, in, in many capacities. What do you see the brands? thinking in this space like what what do you what mistakes do you see them making what things do you see them doing that's good like for me as an entrepreneur you know as I create business or product lines what do you see as being a mistake and what do you see as an opportunity so be, as, as all industries evolve sort of like sub industries get created and something that has been happening in the past few years is that there's been this um, idea of like okay how if we're a brand we have to be able to measure ROI so there is a subset of this business that has been created by a lot of different 
you know, marketers or agencies, whatever that looks like, who have said, oh, I'm going to tell you how you measure ROI. Here's a, here's a measurement for ROI. This is what ROI looks like, ROI being return on investment. So I think some of the problem that brand, something that brands do is that they have, they attach this idea of like, okay, I have to put a monetary value to this. If I'm doing this with, with X, Y, and Z influencer, I have to be able to say, okay, this is what the monetary value was. And that's really, really difficult in a space that sort of like lives and breathes in the air, so to speak. So it's like an Insta, an Insta story, you have absolutely no idea necessarily. I mean, there's a lot of ways that you can sort of, you know, talk about what ROI is and engagement. And obviously all those things are really important. But at the end of the day, some of this is just about the essence. It's about like the spirit of something. It's about, you know, not necessarily being able to measure the result in an exact way. And I think that brands are getting tripped up on metrics of like decades past and the way that things have been done in the past and trying to apply an old school metric system to an entirely different medium that doesn't it's not an apples to apples comparison well they got all messed up with traditional and then you know the type of advertising i do with digital direct response then they got oh we can measure that and then this new influencer space came out and it's like you're trying to use all these old metrics to apply to and really like with lauren She's a content creator. She's a PR. She's a she's a opinion. Like it lives in space. Like this podcast, for example, if we talk about a brand that lives there, like it's it, it's impossible to know how much reach this has, right? If somebody hears about something and then they go tell their friend and that person exactly, like, there's no way to measure that. But no. you know, you're getting some results. Right. I think the brands just have to look at overall revenue. Right, but it's hard. You can't always necessarily attribute someone to that overall revenue. And oh, that's the problem is that a lot of brands are wanting to do this. You know, it used to be back in the day, I grew up as a traditional publicist. It was okay, so you got a half a page in Harper's Bazaar, and that was the, the ad equivalency value of that is X. And then you, multi- you, know, you have a multiplier, and you say, oh, but it's an editorial, so it's worth this. There isn't that today. And I think that brands really get tripped up on that. And there was a client that was, they had like 25000 in ad spend or whatever. And it was a choice between, okay, can you put $25,000 in product gifting to your consumers and get your actual product in hand or 25000 for a billboard? Like there's no, oh no, we can't give them the product. Like, we've got to get that billboard. It's just this old mentality of that probably works better than actually getting your physical product in your consumer's hands. Well, here's, here's what I want to say. When I launch a product, the most important thing for me at first, besides monetizing, besides anything, is getting the story out there. But I don't want to tell the story. I want other people to tell the story because they love the product so much. And I think if you approach influencers as a brand that like that, that you're not just looking to quickly monetize, that you're looking for all these influencers to go out and be your soldiers and tell your story in their own way to their audience that they know better than anyone, that's when I think an amazing partnership and synergy happens. That's where the magic happens to me. Yeah. Because you have all these people telling their audience, again, who they know better than anyone, the story in their own way. Right. Well, it's a say, it's, it's a, we have to stop looking at the influencer space as being separate from other creative mediums. It's the same way you talk about a restaurant you love. It's the same way you talk about a movie or a television show. I mean, you, we are, we all are oversharers to some extent. Like, oh, I just saw this. Or are you watching this? I mean, how many times do you have a conversation throughout like the week where, where someone's like oh my god you don't watch game of thrones or you don't watch this like that it's the same exact thing in our space and th- there's there's a viralness to that that you that is very difficult to necessarily put a dollar amount or to like capture in a in a finite way and that's what that we are that's what we represent this idea of you know influencer marketing at its core is about awareness and like a vibe and just a sense of things and it's and think about how any single thing that we all know about 
how how we f- have found out about it. We found out about it through Twitter, through Instagram. Like you're not you're not watching the nightly news and saying like, oh, I didn't know that. Like yeah. you, you knew about that six hours earlier because someone on your Instagram feed talked about it or showed up in your Twitter or something. Like that's what the essence of this is about. It's how we communicate. Period. The end. So how do you how if you're a brand go you have to go to where the communication is happening it still comes down to the best form of advertising which is word of mouth it's been the best forever it's always going to be the best and it's, it, it reminds me you know those like those gucci t-shirts that everybody's wearing mm-hmm. i remember the first time i saw it i'm like oh my god like these guys are paying like 500 bucks for a t-shirt like really gucci's laughing all the way to the bank really yeah. they are like hats off gucci but all of a sudden you start to see all these different people wearing it influencers and now like you can't get those t-shirts anyway right i mean look at supreme yeah i mean christ smart yeah okay before you go okay what is your business mantra? Like, what's something that you live by every single day? Or it could be a personal mantra. Um, like they go hand in hand. So I have a few. One is assume positive intent. So this is really important because we all communicate over text and over email and like everything gets lost. There's so much nuance. So I try to always assume positive intent because before you know it, there's like a spiral and you've, you're 10 emails in and there's a lot of exclamation points and like that's a, you know, like a, a slippery slope. Um, especially if you write blunt emails, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. especially for if you, so I, I think that's a really good sort of just like life lesson in general, like assume positive intent. Um, our DBA mantra is be aware, gain knowledge, have conviction. And um Basically, what that means is like know what's going on in the world, like then learn what you need to learn and then like be resolute in that. And that's kind of how you build a brand and whether you're a person or, or, you know, us building a company and and a brand. Those are the sort of two things that I that I think are definitely like guiding principles. What's next for DBA and you? What's the next move besides signing a huge contract with Michael Bostick? What is the biggest move you can make? What's the next thing? What's the next thing? We're growing a lot. The team is growing, We're bringing on a lot of a lot of new talent and a lot of a lot of managers. There's a lot of growth here. And products, digital brand products, has been growing at a tremendous pace in terms of you know launching clients, brands. We launched um, Prem with Gabby Fresh and Nicolette Mason, Gabby Gregg and Nicolette Mason, and um, that's the a plus size line that they had been passionate about and pushed for for close to four years before it finally got off the ground yeah they've been working hard on that so things like that watching people like and really helping people with passion projects i think is the thing that that really keeps me going will this go international is this international we are we have an office in milan oh Um, i didn't know that we we um asia is like a, a a my second love like tokyo and and hong kong we talk about it a lot. I mean, they're, they're very specific markets and you have to sort of live there to really build a business there. So I don't know. I'm, we, you know, we got to go over there and check their wedge salad we'll come situation. Visit you. Yeah. you guys would love Hong Kong. You've been, you've been, yeah. you yeah. love Hong Kong. I love Hong Kong. Yeah. I do love Hong Kong. Yeah. Michael's a fourth Japanese. I am. You didn't know that? No, I didn't know that. Yeah. Yeah. You can't tell. <laughs> no. well, we don't need your whole life story. I'm, uh, I've got a bunch of stuff. I'm, uh, I'm got all. Where can people find DBA on Instagram? The real DBA. All right. Thank you so much for coming on. That was so fun and interesting. I actually learned a lot. And guess what, you guys? I was late and I kept you five minutes after. So Raina's got to go. Um, well, but we should do this more often. This is fun. I know. It's fun, right? Yeah, it's really fun. We're going to talk more. Pot, me we're and you are going to talk. Yeah, we're no, gonna have no, 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 Michael, you and I will continue our conversation. Yeah, we're going to continue the podcast conversation. Right, You're seeing sparks are, sparks are flying here. <laughs> oh my God. All right. Bye, guys.
Thank you guys for tuning in this week. As always, we appreciate your attention. We know you have a ton of options when it comes to content. So just the fact that you chose to stop by and listen to us this week means the world to us. If you like the show, please let your friends and family know, the guy down the street, the cat, the dog, whoever. It helps the show grow and keeps us motivated to keep producing content on a weekly basis. If you happen onto iTunes and feel inclined to leave a review, please take a picture and screenshot it and send it to podcasts at theskinnyconfidential.com and Lauren will send you a little email with some tips and tricks. Thank you guys and we will be back next week. 